You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. You can't steer a boat that's not moving. We, need, we as Christians, we need to start opening our mouths. And it says that he who believes on the Son has life, and he that does not believe um, does not have life, and the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, to me, one of the greatest things God did to me was give me peace, give me a hope, give me a promise. And I thought, I have eternal life. I'm, I'm about for heaven, and it's, it's forever. I'm Mark Dana. And I'm Venus Cote. And this is Hope to the Nations. We have an opportunity to talk with a very special person, special to myself and special to Venus, but just happens to be my daughter, Naomi Ketro. Morning, Naomi. Morning. It's good to see you. I have so many fond memories of you, Naomi, as uh, a little girl camp and, and watching you grow up and play with you mm-hmm. and now your mom, your wife, mm-hmm. and, and just to see you as an adult, it just, it just encourages my heart. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I always nice. remember those camp days really fondly too. You know, Venus was my camp counselor. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, we always like used to wait for Venus to fall asleep and see what we, we could do, you know, chat or sing or, you know, giggle. And I slept <laughs> through it all. <laughs> oh boy. We were we didn't get into too much trouble though. You grew up yeah. obviously in our household. How did you really start to um, get to know God? I was I was always taught that Jesus and God existed and that everything around us was created by God. But I think the moment that I remember the most was, um, I think one time we watched the Jesus film, and I was really touched by it because I saw, I saw pictures of what Jesus, you know, it's not, it wasn't Jesus himself, but it was like a real life, description of what Jesus was like and it was acted out and it really touched me that night I went to bed and I I pictured Jesus on the cross but instead of being like kind of a scary or sad thing I just imagined Jesus with love in his eyes towards me Um, even though I had done wrong things I, I knew that he was a real person that he loved me I was fairly young but that was kind of my first I don't know revelation or like feeling that Jesus was personal to me. When did you begin this personal relationship with I, him? See, I've never, I've never heard this. Well, <laughs> well, I was fairly young. I was, I was about six years old, and that's the first time that I had that kind of picture of, okay, well, he loves me, and I do wrong things, and even though I, I didn't have a collection of things that I did wrong, but I knew I was, I was a sinner. I had done wrong things, and that Jesus had paid the price for my for my sins, or he had taken punishment, basically. Yeah, an awful lot, right? Most unusual circumstances, you might say, for most people. Yes. Well, I guess my first memory of camp was when we got the, the land up at Arrowhead, and there was nothing there. We were just tenting in these big army tents, and I remember we had um, the tent set up, and my brother and I kept crawling under the tents that were not set up. And I remember they also put us down the... I don't know if they put us down there or that we volunteered, but we were met in outhouse holes. 
campus. Yeah. Is <laughs> I guess so. I guess we would consider you as an MK, and MK means missionary kid. And a lot of times, being raised, whether in a pastor's home or as an MK, sometimes people assume because you were raised religiously, if you can say, yet you knew in your heart that your relationship with Christ had to be your own, your personal one. How would you explain that to people that are listening that have been raised in in Christian homes? Because some kids would say, well, I was raised going to church, I was raised going to Bible study, but didn't really think they had to make a decision because they were raised that way. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it was just a, a journey of learning more about God, but also having God show himself to me in very personal ways. Um, when I was little, God protected us in many ways, like on the roads. We lived in rural New Brunswick, and I remember the bus sliding down the, the hill towards the ravine, and as a child, my instinct was, okay, to talk to God and ask him for help. Or later on, when I was feeling discouraged about having a friend, um, my mom would say, well, Naomi, you can pray for a friend. And God answered my prayers for a friend, a Christian friend, or um, just somebody to talk to. In high school, sometimes I would get very discouraged, and I would, I feel like there was a lot of dark thoughts in my mind. But when those thoughts came, there was always a moment where I knew God took care of me and God wanted me to have hope and continue because he would, you know, one time I remember I was just down and out and I felt like, oh, I just don't want to live anymore. I can't do this anymore. The phone rang and I knew it was God trying to reach out to me and be like, hey, Naomi, you count, you matter. And it was somebody that I had met in the middle of nowhere in Northern Saskatchewan and I never expected to hear from her again, but she called me. You know, she didn't, she didn't have to do that. I've never heard from this person again, but I knew it was God wanting to communicate with me. So that's, that's why my relationship with God is personal because he's, he's so true to me in the, in the daily, you know. You also grew up as a minority. That has challenges too. Could you just share like how God walked with you through that? I guess I grew up thinking I wasn't enough of something because I wasn't enough English or Anglophone, and I wasn't enough Francophone either, because when I moved to Quebec, my French wasn't good enough. And then I thought, well, I'm part Penobscot, but it's not enough, because I'm not, I don't look Native enough, or you know what I mean? Like, and it, it was always kind of like I was a part of every culture, but not fully any culture. I, I remember um, at the end of high school, I just realized these multiple cultures that I'm able to float around in, they're kind of a gift because I can relate to so many people and I can also help be a bridge between people because, uh, you know, they help people understand each other and help communicate each, you know, different perspectives. And in the end, well, my identity is in Christ and there's nothing better than meeting fellow believers from all kinds of nationalities, languages, cultures, and having that one thing in common is our identity in Christ. Yes. So Venus, do you remember us trying to teach you French? 
Yes, actually, I, I remember quite a bit of it. And I always think of the songs that uh, the kids taught me, traveling in your van, going to um, Maniwaki to go to camp. And I remember loading up that blue van of yours and just load it to where there was no space and then load the kids in and myself and off we went and a lot of conversations of uh, learning words and songs in that van. That brings a lot of memories to me, knowing that I was a part of your lives and, and Naomi's life and and uh, just the kids and and just knowing that I was loved mm. and I loved them and they knew that I loved them, right Naomi? Yes, we did. We really did. All those long road trips. <laughs> Car sick children, wobbling children. I think I remember this is how I knew that you would do anything for love when they forgot to give Lois her medication. <laughs> on a road. I said, she's getting sick. You need to stop. She's getting sick. And then all of a sudden my hands were full. But the van... <laughs> You saved the van, thank you. <laughs> and now seeing you as a mom and raising your kids and knowing that your mom and dad did the best they knew how to raise you. You loved the Lord and you went to Bible school, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Bible school in New Brunswick at NBBI, New Brunswick Bible Institute, for one year. I enjoyed it because... I got to learn how to study the Bible for myself and, and also how to present it to other people, maybe. And I also made some really good friends that I had before, but, you know, living in close quarters and speaking, sharing a common language, which was French, it really allowed me to solidify those relationships. And we're still friends today. So, And I also went to uh, one year of Bible school in Alberta at Prairie Bible College. That was an amazing experience for me because I was studying in intercultural studies and leadership. It was a one-year certificate. And I got to travel to um, Central America and study languages, study Spanish there. And I, I guess that's when I had a better idea of where I wanted to live and what I wanted to do with my life in terms of maybe a career or something. But Where you met your husband? Uh, no, I met him when I moved here to Sherbrooke to get my teaching degree. But I, I went by way of Guatemala because in Guatemala, I just realized the impact of being able to teach English as a second language and how education can really help people in developing countries, but also languages really help, you know, build bridges between people. So uh, there's a, a great need for people to learn English here in Quebec. So that's why I decided to come back to Quebec and finish and do a degree in teaching English as a second language. And that's where I met Martin because he actually, um, I met him at a, like a club at Bishops, which is a, the other, the English university. And we ended up just uh, hitting it off because he was, he had gone to NBBI one year before me. So we knew a lot of the same people oh. and, yeah, that evening we ended up going to someone's house and sharing our testimonies, but in French. So then we were at an English university and we were just all hanging out. And then a bunch of us went to someone's house down the road and then we were sharing our testimonies. And so that's kind of how we started meeting and got to know each other. So do you still feel <laughs> that 
your French is not enough. Um, actually, some days I do. But even though I speak great French and I teach French, sometimes I just, my words get mumbled up depending on what language my brain is turned on to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you and your family right now are in what they call a lockdown zone with COVID. So how are you, how are you coping? What are you, what are you doing to, uh, to deal with that? Well, on some days I do a lot of home renovation and organizing my things, which I've done many times now. Um, I've been reading Psalms, which has been very encouraging to me. Um, I meet with some ladies on Zoom for Bible study, just like local people that we, we uh, have a weekly Bible study and we're talking about happiness. And that's kind of an interesting topic to study right now. Like what is happiness in the midst of all this and how God is actually a happy god and he wants our good and so it's kind of it's good okay i'm going to ask you to do something what's, what's your favorite verse in french and then i want you to translate it in english oh my favorite <laughs> yeah john 316 is the first one that came to mind because i probably one of the first ones that i learned in french car dieu a tant aimé le monde qu'il a donné son fils unique Afin que quiconque croit en lui ne périsse point, mais qu'il ait la vie éternelle. Jean 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 hmm. I just find that so amazing and so touching because I remember when your family decided to start learning French and you are your family at that time were thinking of moving to Quebec but you had to start from somewhere and I mm -hmm. remember your parents putting you into the French school and going to a French church it seems just like yesterday but how God has led your family and your trials and tribulations in Quebec as children I know it hasn't been easy going to school as English speaking French that was hard on you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, I guess it was a feeling of never being enough. But, um, and I remember that something that really, I don't know, it didn't traumatize me, but it kind of, it bothered me for a long time was when I was in grade two, I went to a Catholic school in New Brunswick, actually. And I, for some reason, I told somebody on the schoolyard that Mary was a woman like anyone else. But I got reported to the school. I got actually the principal. I had to go see the principal because I told somebody that Mary was just an ordinary lady. She wasn't the holy virgin or something, you know. So that kind of stuck with me. Like, oh, if I say something wrong, like, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. So it, it stuck with me. And then later on when we moved to Quebec, there was the whole uh, Catholic versus Protestant thing. And then there was the referendum, and I had to choose which flag I liked better, the Quebec flag or the Canadian flag. And I said, well, I prefer the New Brunswick flag, personally. <laughs> oh, to be neutral, neutral. <laughs> yeah, so those were kind of, you know. As a dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just boast a little bit here. I know it's not, not the right thing to do, maybe, but. 
I remember you got a reward, you got an award in French for the best French in your high school, which is yeah. quite good being a, that being your second language that, you know. So what does, what does that mean? That she was the best French speaker or what? Grammar and speaking, well, most grammar. No slang or nothing. It was just. No slang. Just pure French. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always enjoyed languages, so. Yeah. Well, even with English, there's a lot of slang in it, and uh, I think it's easier. Even in the native languages, it's there's so much slang with it that you think it, that's part of the language, but a lot of it is slang. Bring it, bring it'd be it great to get to that point to understand a language enough to have slang in it, you know? Yeah, and to have your uh, language learners as elders because then you know that you're going to be taught right because that's the way they were taught with uh, just, just the language in itself. My grandmother uh, never spoke English and she didn't even speak English to us. Well, she spoke English, but she never spoke English to us. Oh, well, that's that really special. Wow, that's wonderful, yeah. The language is so important. Languages are so important. They're um, they're trying to keep the Abenaki language alive. Um, I could even take a course here, probably the, originally from the same language learners that you learned from, Dad. Anyway, it's really interesting because there's hardly hardly anyone that would speak the language anymore. Maybe ten people, but it's it's interesting that they're trying to keep it alive somehow. So yeah, if you do learning a language, take time to learn a language, it, it builds like real real relationship with people. We used to have terim, tremendous amount of fun, myself and Raymond Watso in the Abenaki class. We would end up laughing, and, but anyway, it was, we got to know a lot of people and one lady who really, like you said, Cecile Wawanolet, and she was well reputed as an Abenaki speaker and teacher. Mm -hmm. She was almost like 90 when she was doing that. So. Yeah. So is there a lot of Native people where you live, Naomi? Um, not in my immediate area. Like it's more, uh, people would say maybe they have Abenaki ancestors here. Um, yeah. Because it's all Abenaki uh, territory, really. Um, even they were actually this week on the news, I, I saw that they were digging up more artifacts not too far from here. And just a little bit further up north, we have Algonquin, uh, Mohawk, uh, that's only a couple hours away, you know. A lot of different tribes in Quebec, a lot of different, very rich, very rich uh, with languages and things. So you've got friends like you had a Mohawk friend, right? Very special. Yeah, still do actually. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, great. we were just thinking about her. Uh, she got married uh, 15 years ago, and I was at her wedding. Allie. Yeah, Allie. It's very special. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Where is fun? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it always goes right back to Cam. I think in the last 37 years, last year was the first time I not ever went to Cam. That there just seemed like there was a big part of my life missing right there. And for 36 years, for every summer, I went to camp. 
that was just the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ and, and just to love these kids and just to be a part of them and, and the things you do just to, just to be a part of their lives, just to laugh and, and enjoy. And mm. I think the best parts were devotional times mm. to share Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. And I think probably all the, the things that I remember the most are from Bible camp somehow, because there's just, there's just something about memorizing and having fun and singing things that you, it'll just pop up in your, your mind the rest of the year, you know, like the truths, but presented in a fun way. Yeah. And I also like that it's just such a safe place. You know, I like as a teen, I got to be just myself, just Naomi, you know, like I didn't have to be like, okay, Naomi, she's in, she's in grade 10 and she, uh, she's a swimmer or she's a lifeguard, you know, like it's, there was no definition of who you were in your normal life. You know, it was just, you get to be there, you get to have fun, you get to be yourself, get to learn about God and you get to be with other people that just in a really great environment. So if someone is listening, someone is listening, someone is discouraged and Mm -hmm. is struggling whether they they believe in Jesus or you know how sometimes you get you get a you get into a low point in your life and you think am I really a christian uh, did i really make that choice what mm. would you say to them to encourage them i have a couple things i was thinking about just this week the first one is about is found in isaiah 12 and is talking about how god is our salvation and you can trust him and he will comfort you um, and i was thinking about how you know, we talk about salvation, it's just a long word, salvation, and what does it mean nowadays? We don't use that word anymore, but, mm, yeah. you know, God can save you. There's that one time when you're like, yes, I believe in God, and I trust God, and he's going to save me, and it's going to be a whole life thing, but God is there to save you every day as well. It's part of the your everyday thing. God will comfort you. He will He's there if you need to ask for forgiveness. Um, he's there if you're feeling hopeless. Like, God can save you in that situation as well. Like, it's very, it's, it's like an, something that's alive, you know? That decision that you made, even if you made it 20 years ago, that same salvation is available to you today. And in any situation that you're going through in your life, in your day-to-day life. And the other thing that I was thinking about was, Martin and I were always joking about what this one lady told us at the, the, the natural product store. We went to buy laundry soap or dishwasher soap. And she said, we said, well, is this going to work? Is this soap going to work? You know, usually we need something very strong to get our dishes clean, you know? <laughs> and she says, oh, don't worry. Just call out to the universe in French. Faire un appel à to the universe to to find to ask for this soap to work, this dish soap to work. <laughs> so I said, "Well, okay." So now we just kind of joke and we're like, "Well, let's just ask the universe for something." But I don't need to do that. I don't need to be asking the universe yeah. to do stuff. I can know for a fact that God is there with me, and God is my hope. Um, I know where my hope comes from, and I know that it's real. I don't, and it's been proved, proven, and tested. And you know, I got a hundred percent guarantee that God's whether I feel, whether my state of mind or my mood or my emotions, whatever they say to me, doesn't change what God is. I can trust him. He said he would never leave nor forsake. Yeah, and that's a fact. It's not just something you would just hope that would work, you know. And he says, I am with you 
always. It's mm -hmm. just a constant reminder when some days are not as good as others, but you really feel down in the dumps, if you can say that. And just a little whisper in the ear, I'm here with you. I said I'd never leave you nor forsake you. I'm here. I will help you. Yeah. Now, this is just a funny story, but it was kind of a scary situation. We had a, we had somebody out with a gun and my little small little neighborhood and the whole the whole Quebec police was here with drones and tanks and all kinds of stuff trying to catch this guy, you know. And I woke up and I looked outside and it looked like the army was out front and it was really scary. So I was having a hard time controlling how I felt and my fear. I was very afraid. So I started trying to talk out loud and say things that were true, like, you know, God is with me, or I won't be afraid, or um, I don't need to be afraid. And this song came to me that I learned in Guatemala, and it was about how Jesus is our pastor. I won't be afraid, or he's our good shepherd. I won't be afraid. So I started singing, but I was so scared. My voice was all choked up. So it sounded like, anyway, so Martin woke up and he's like, why are you crying? Why, what's that sound? That awful. <laughs> anyway, but things like that, you know, God is there to take care of you and you can laugh about things in the midst of kind of extreme fear or, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, you know? <laughs> your life has not been boring. Not boring, no. Tell us about your kids. Yeah, the kids. Um, Megan is 10, and she just got her first bedroom by herself, so she's pretty proud of that. She loves nature, and she loves to read, little bookworm, which I'm proud of because I was a little bookworm. I keep seeing her reading the same books as I read, and I was like, sense of pride, you know. <laughs> Nashua, he's eight. He has kind of like an engineer mind. He likes to build things. He builds robots and all kinds of Lego creations and stuff. He likes to analyze things. Isabel, she's my, I don't know, I call her a fireball princess or something. So she's very loving and caring and also very passionate. And she gets, I don't know, she, she likes little details. She loves math, very spunky. And uh, she says her mind, she, she speaks her mind. And then Hudson is the baby of the family. So he just makes us laugh, does all kinds of stuff. He first learned his colors based on the colors of superheroes. So instead of saying red, he said, okay, that's, uh, man, I didn't even know. Superman. Yeah, Superman. And then green is, oh, that is the Hulk, you know. So he identifies. So he just really likes superheroes. And he can't just get into bed normally. He has to do a backflip over top of the bed rail. <laughs> so Naomi, I guess we're going to. Uh, close off here soon. So is there anything else you'd like to to share uh, with the people listening? I guess all three of us can say God is definitely good and kind and compassionate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really is. And he, I, I love to see how he just organizes the little details of everything and how he takes care of us. Like, like my husband lost his job during this time um, after being on temporary leave for six months um, but God answered our prayer for a job or he took care of us the whole time like he he showed himself to be so true but it's by food showing up on our doorstep or somebody said well why don't you go to the uh, be a supply teacher they need somebody down the road at the little local school and it didn't work out but 
the first job he got as a supply teacher, the person's class, the person whose class he was in, it was a friend from Bishops, from the university. And uh, this guy had driven us on our first date. <laughs> so it was like all these like really weird connections. And then and later the school that he ended up teaching in, he was back in the class of the person that he had done his first practicum with. So it was like all these weird, not weird, but like all these little pieces of the past that were just kind of working up to this one moment. So it's just been cool seeing how God is taking care of us in such a real way. And I think that it would be like, how to say this? I mean, it's such an amazing thing to know God. It really is. And I would encourage anybody to open your eyes to what God is doing and listen to his voice. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm. I love you, Naomi. I love you too, Venus. I love you, Neil. Obviously. I love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs>